They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock back after a long old break, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And, well, chaps, what's happened in the last week? We all thought it was going to be a spin-friendly Bunsen down at Chelmsford. We thought it was going to be uh, Simon Harmer versus Jack Leach. And in the end... Uh, I wrote it down here. Where have I written it down? 1,140 runs were scored for the loss of 16 wickets over four days as the game ended in the most boring of draws. Do we want to put the listeners through discussing that? Well, to be fair, it was quite an exciting game in terms of things that went on during the game, but the pitch really just killed any chance of a result, any chance of of a win for either side was it 505 for 9 declared Essex after winning the toss and batting Nick Brown got an unbeaten double 100 Somerset replied 605 for 6 declared Matt Renshaw with 100 Tom Abel would have got 100 if he uh, hadn't done a hammy coming back for a second on 90 James Rue got 100 and Tom Banton got 100 those two being their maiden first class 100s Tom Banton coming in as a concussion replacement for Lewis Goldsworthy on that final morning, then Somerset set Essex 90-odd to avoid defeat, uh, 30 for one, and then it petered out for a draw with Tom Banton bowling the final over. Gibbo, you were there. Did you read any good books while you were watching that, learn any new hobbies while uh, trying to stay awake during that run fest? Well, the, the Nick Brown innings wasn't exactly a thriller minute, but um, <laughs> I, I can put up with watching Matt Renshaw and uh, Tom Banton and James Rue scoring, scoring hundreds. And, you know, it, it was good to see. And, and I think the, the explanation for the pitch was that the Essex groundsman got it wrong. Tom, Tom Wesley, the, the um, Essex captain, when he was interviewed for BBC Essex, was, was absolutely furious <laughs> with the, with the on which no side had any chance of, of securing a result. But, um, you know, there you are. Harmer, I have to say considering there was nothing in the pitch for him, bowled really, really well. And I think that that adds a lot more credit to Renshaw and especially Tom Banton uh, in his century because he took on Harmer uh, and started sweeping him and swept him very, very effectively. And it, and it knocked him out of his stride. And I think that, you know, that, that did make a real difference because if we'd lost a couple of wickets early on on the last day, the pressure, pressure would have been on. Um, but but uh, Banton batted very well, and, and James Rue showed that he's got a really really good head on his shoulders, you know, allied with a very very sound technique. So it was overall, apart from the um, able hamstring, of course, it was it was an encouraging game rather than the other way around. I was keeping in touch with it. I was on holiday last week, so I was um, one of the queues at Disney Paris. I think I managed to watch the entire afternoon session. On the last day, queuing <laughs> for the Peter Pan ride, which was, uh, oh, which wasn't too bad, I suppose. But um, thinking about Banton's hundred, do you think he was able to play with that freedom because he came in as a concussion sub? It was all very last minute. He didn't really have time to think about it. 
he almost wasn't playing to stay in the side. It was just, you know, almost a, a free shot for him to go out and, and show what he can do. Is that what, what you guys thought? Uh, get your thoughts first on that, Steve. Definitely. And I was I was at a client's most of Thursday, so I was only catching bits. And as I saw the school progressing, that was exactly my first thought, that he'd just gone in and gone, well, I'm going to play with a bit of freedom here. There's, the game was pretty dead. And I, I think, I don't know, not having been and not having been close to it, and Anthony can have a much better view and opinion on this, but it struck me as like one of those club games where you played on a Sunday and it was just a, a Sunday afternoon game. And for some reason, the team batting first decided to bat on after tea on that on the Sunday. And then you're left with, you know, 20 overs in the last hour plus half an hour or something. And I, I almost think Somerset were bloody minded in there. Right. We're just going to bat and bat. We've got no incentive here to, you know, what what point is there in us doing anything other than bat and bat and bat? And when you said to Banton and Rue on the last morning, just go and bat, you know, bat time, etc., that's exactly what they did. Um, I, the fact that it was a high-scoring game and a bit like Southport from what, like Huey and I was following in queues in Disney, the other side of the world, it just seemed to me that these were games where it was four-day cricket at its worst because the pitches and you know, the groundsmen get it wrong or whatever. And that's no criticism of Southport still Cricket Club because I know a few people there and it's, it's a very well-run club. But when you get surfaces that are just completely unresponsive and there's nothing really in it for anyone, because, you know, Essex Grand, what are they going at? Under three and over for most of their innings, um, which sort of set the template for the game. But uh, as you say, I've been, I've missed the pod for a few weeks. I think the thing that I've come back with is I am as excited about the future of Somerset cricket now as I have been for a long time. Um, because you look at the players that have come through into the side, I mean, you've got Casey Aldridge who's come through and, you know, is impressing the fact that the likes of Church and Doidge and, and the other commentators that are on with Anthony are really impressed with him is, is great. Uh, James Rue, I think we all thought was going to be the real deal and without wanting to put too much pressure on him, he's proving to be the real deal. That horrible as it is, the Davis Hildreth switch seems to have been made. Um, Lewis Goldsworthy, you probably heard me cheer from Florida when he got to his 100 on in the Southport game. And, and you know, you've got Banton and Bartlett knocking around the squad as well. So, wow, would, I, I've said it on this pod before, I think other counties would bite your arm off for the, the sort of talents coming through. And that's why I'm really excited for the next couple of weeks and the One Day Cup because we're going to see these guys, well, I don't want to call them kids because <laughs> cricket's in terms of their giants already. We're going to see them play and, and maybe have a little bit more pressure because they're not the junior members of the side but they've got to deliver yeah excellent points um dan did you uh, get down to chelmsford at all or were you just following it to follow it on the stream what did you what yeah, did you make just, of it all just the stream and the scorecard for me yeah i think we can be really encouraged by that match overall i mean we scored 600 which i think is the first thing that's happened in a very long time i don't remember scoring 600 at all, really, so it must have been a while. Did we get 600 uh, at Gloucester? Fairly close no, to it, we, wasn't it? it was like 599, wasn't it? I think we got very close, but didn't quite uh, get over the line. Yeah, we declared just before that. Um, yeah, big innings for Banton, who, who you know made him first-class century, hopefully a turning point for him. Um, potentially, you know, he's sort of 
obviously been dropped the last couple of games, but with Abel maybe being injured, hopefully not. But, you know, that maybe gets bouncing back in the side for September. Um, but if Abel is fit, then there's a real, you know, bit of a dilemma now um, as to who, who misses out, which is obviously a good thing. Um, and obviously James Rue has made himself undroppable. I mean, he's the keeper, obviously, now anyway. But, um, and I think, you know, I think it's, it's now obviously very difficult to see Steve Davis getting back in the side. Um, James Rue's made a really impressive start to his career, and I was very impressed with him at Southport. Um, obviously very strong on the sweeps and reverse sweeps in particular. That seems to be sort of his signature shot at the moment. Um, so, yeah, and to get his maiden century in his, only his third match, um, you know, it's a, it's a great sign. You know, most of our youngsters, as talented as they are, have taken obviously a bit longer to get their maiden century, you know, as, as Banton obviously did. Goals where they took a bit longer. Um, so, you know, yeah, great to see. And I think, you know, he's a real talent um, for, for the future. Um, and I think we're in a good position now. So, I mean, you know, this is a funny thing to say, given that we're ninth. But I just think we've, you know, I don't really like using the word momentum. But, you know, we've somehow from those three draws, we've got a bit of momentum. Whereas mm. Warwickshire have lost to two or three in a row. They have not been so good recently. Um, and I think we play Warwickshire next, or is it the game after? It's quite soon we've got Warwickshire, isn't it? Gloucester, Gloucester is next. Okay. And then, then, then Warwickshire. Then Warwickshire, and then yes. Warwickshire. It's a good point yeah. you make about momentum, Dan, because is that going to still be there in a month's time? Well, I know. That's the yeah, thing. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? We, we, all, we all know what happened in, in September last year. So, yeah, um, yeah, the table at the moment, well, let's focus on the bottom half. The Gloucesters are 37 points adrift of us in 10th with 62 points. We are 9th with 99 points then. Warwickshire... 8th on 104, Kent on 114, then Yorkshire on 116. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility, given that we've got games in hand on Kent and Warwickshire, that we could even possibly overtake Yorkshire and finish in 6th. Well, that would hopefully keep us up, regardless of the format for next season. If it's three divisions of six, you know, hopefully, you know, that gets us in Division 1. But yeah, we shouldn't have to be worrying about that, but unfortunately we are. Yeah, I mean we've yeah. So in in September we play four of yeah four of the sides in that bottom six: North Ants, Kent, Warwickshire, and and the Gloucesters. So it's still all to play for. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just hope. Yeah, it's, it's in our hands as well. Yeah, that's the main thing. We don't, yeah. have, to, we don't have to rely on other people. You know, we just we if we win two of those games, that should be enough. I would have thought two two wins and a couple of decent draws. And we should you'd, be. You'd sort of pick to beat Kent and Warwickshire, wouldn't you, of the of the ones because they're the ones just above us. You know, with Gloucestershire are pretty much gone. You think they've got to have an mm-hmm. incredible September. So if you could pick and choose, um, but I, I actually said now I think we're going to have completely the reverse of last September. Weather permitting, I think we're probably going to win three of those. Optimistic, hope so. without. <laughs> Without Matt Renshaw and Peter Siddle, but you presume that they're, they've signed Andy and me to slot in with no, got the top of the order. Got, and uh, of course, oh, Imamul Hack, yeah. So. Do you think we'll sign an overseas pace bowler then to replace Siddle, or will we just go with Delanger? I wonder. I think we'll probably go with Delanger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, probably, you know, there aren't very many overseas pace bowlers around. Yeah. Mm. And Delanger, he did bowl the best I've seen him bowl in a Somerset shirt in that 
if you discount his first three overs that went for plenty against Yorkshire a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was the best he's, he's bowled in the Somerset shirt, certainly in Red Bull cricket anyway. Shall we have a little chat about pitches? If we're done, if we're done with Essex, because even talking yeah, about that is, is making, me, making me fall asleep. So you mentioned a good point about the the pitch at Southport and Birkdale, Steve, that was it was a bit of a road. Do you think that they are, are taking no chances but sort of with their outground status mm-hmm. to make sure that it's they are a really erring on the side of caution of it being a good pitch and not something that's a bit ropey, which could possibly explain that. Yes, I do, but it, it is notorious for being one of the best batting tracks in the area anyway. Um I think the bigger issue is, uh, and I, I choked on my keyboard when the Essex commentators were sort of running this diversionary tactic of saying, well, Surrey prepare pitches so they get batting bonus points. And I'm just like, no, that's to me, that's deflection. The issue for me is we had it at Bristol this season, and I know we had it at Taunton as well, but we've had these pitches where I, I'm a bigger proponent of four-day cricket because I, I did not enjoy the old three-day cricket of the 70s because it was about 100 overs declared, about 100 overs declared and then set the game up on the last day, which usually involved Brian Rose doing a deal with whoever and them not set the target because we had Viv in the lineup or whatever. So four-day cricket played on proper surfaces for me is the way to go and it's going to take an awful lot to change my mind. Four-day cricket played on the surfaces like I've just referred to is it's not helping those of us who are fanatical about county cricket say this is great and the two people i were thinking um andy and tim who went up and obviously took holiday and went up it was a big thing you know after covid we're all looking forward to those away trips and i felt really sorry for the guys because they would have invested a significant amount of money as did other Somerset fans and tractor was there and other people to watch that for four days it's it's tough and it's tough to say that you're entertained, even though you take the, the good news out of the, the batting that we've just referred to. So we need to get pitches that are better prepared. And, and when you look at all the work that's being done to outfields, you know, that we can play now when we never would have done 10, 15 years ago after rain and whatever, I, I just find it hard to believe that we can't produce better pitches. I do think, though, and Anthony's made this point a few times, that we as a club and others probably shy away from playing are scared of preparing pitches that do a bit too much because they're worried about points deductions so something needs to be done but in the climate we've got where the current head man of county cricket seems to just be obsessed with driving a coach and horses through it i don't know what can be done yeah it's a good point i think it is an art to preparing a pitch that is going to play really well for two and a half days and then deteriorate just enough so it gets the bowlers in the game on the on that fourth innings without being dangerous and without the ball going up and down like it was at Sabina Park all those years ago. So it is an art. But I was thinking about this after the Essex game. The pitch that we played Essex on in 2019 for the Championship Decider, a match that was ruined by the rain that Somerset needed to win, Bearing in mind that Essex are bringing Simon Harmer with them, who is one of the best spinners in the land. I know we had Jack Leach and Roloff Vandermeer and Don Best that played in that game. We got deducted points for that pitch. Which pitch produced the better game of cricket? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. 
a lot of people have made making that point on um, social media. I think the the problem is that um, the pitches start off all right, but they don't deteriorate. They don't crumble. They just get slower and lower as the game wears on, which makes it, you know, the third and fourth days a pretty tedious, and and b makes it very difficult to get a, um, a positive result. And as Steve was saying, there's there's nothing worse than a four-day board draw. You know, three-day board draws bad enough, but there was hardly anyone there at, at Chelmsford on the on the fourth day. There's probably a majority of Somerset people there. Yeah, who'd already booked their hotels? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Mm, they yeah. trained trained at Lee Chelmsford till half past six, so they were kind of stuck there. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it's a very poor advertisement for the for the four-day game and. You know, it's 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 not going to bring spectators in, and the four-day game at the moment needs needs all the um, support it can get. Well, I was thinking back to the Leicester against Glamorgan game, where Sam Northeast got his four hundred, and Glamorgan declared at lunchtime on the fourth day after Northampton had got what five hundred and eighty odd. Then mm-hmm. um, uh, Glamorgan went on and got what is it seven hundred and fifty or whatever, and then they bowled him out in those last two sessions for sort of one hundred and eighty. That seems to me to be a perfect county wicket now I don't know I didn't watch it I didn't see you know the nature of the uh, the Leicester dismissals on that final day but you are running a risk making a pitch like that do you see what I mean it's I I think from what I heard and what I saw on social media uh, and as you say in Disney queues a great thing for looking at social media etc but um, I think that Leicester batted pretty poorly brainlessly um and they had been in the field for two and a half days or two days or whatever but i don't think from what i saw it was hogan and one of the other scenes that did most of the yeah yeah so you know we could all we could all say the ideal pitch couldn't we it's going to have pace and bounce and a bit of movement early on day two into day three really good for batting and then a bit of uneven bounce and a bit of turn etc on day four and that means you've got to have a balanced attack to take advantage um but i suspect as anthony said the groundsman at chelmsford was trying to produce something that armor could rip through us um and failed for some reason and as you say it's not a, not a precise art so we, if we're going to stick with this and pitches, as Anthony said, you know, technology is such that pitches aren't deteriorating, then you've got to look at something else to encourage the more positive play. And then you get back to, I don't even know, 125 overs maximum in the first innings or something. that To me, that creates the artificiality that we got away from with three-day cricket. So it's, it's really difficult. They did. Just, Bob Willis, for, didn't they? For the two younger... The two younger ones of you here, can I just say, and I'm sure Anthony <laughs> and his late father, like my late father, would say this, you go to the first day of the old-style three-day county championship games and it was you you got 300 in your 100 overs and then you had six or seven overs at the opposition and they got through, they went off to play a Sunday league game and you looked at, you know, you listened to the radio to get the score at tea time on day two and it would have been Somerset 315 for six innings closed, Gloucestershire 302 for seven innings closed, Somerset 81 for two in their second innings. That's And that was so formulaic, wasn't it, Anthony, that it did get a bit... 
Yeah, well, some of the four-day stuff's beginning to get a bit formulaic. And the Essex Cup was to score 600 and then Harmer to bowl Somerset out twice. It didn't work out because the pitch was wrong. But, you know, there's been a, been a lot of that sort of, um, those sorts of scores in, in both divisions of the county championship so far this, this year. And, I, you know, I think perhaps groundsmen have overreacted to the sort of ECB directive to produce better pitches so that we produce more. Red Bull batsman. But, yeah. um, better pitches doesn't mean better batter wickets, though, does it? It means there's something in it, as Steve no, just said, it's something in it for the fast bowlers on the first couple of days, and then it begins to turn, but it's got pace in it. It's not slow and low. If it turns, it turns quickly. You can't just wait and rock on the back foot uh, to the spin no, bowlers. But, but I think what the ECB were having a go at is what our friend Mr. Peterson has described <coughs> as. <coughs> Muppets bowling at 70 miles an hour and being able to you know, pick up wickets because it's moving all, all over the place, oh, either in the air. piece of the cricketer this month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he loves it. He's a fig jam, isn't he? He, he couldn't resist. Saying, I'm so good. I could have got a triple hundred against Leicestershire. What is it? Batting left-handed with one hand behind my back <laughs> using a golf, t- a golf uh, pin golf flag as a... Oh, he, he just can't help himself, can he? He just cannot help himself. You're sort of reading it and you think, oh, yeah, okay, I don't necessarily like everything he's saying, but he is making some some good points. And then he just goes off on one about that. Oh, fig jam. Yeah. yeah. But, so the, um, the thing is now, when you, you look at, we're going to go into September, so we're all going to have a, a few weeks before we're back talking about four-day pitches. And obviously, in the old days, you say, oh, yeah, but the weather in September's probably helping. It's a good chance that, you know, from what you read over the next few years, September is going to be as good as May or even June. April's, April's have been glorious the last few years, yeah. and, and September's yeah. not been too bad either. So, you know, you're thinking about it, um, you know, these sort of green seamers in September, it's just not really happening anymore. And it looks like, you know, we're no. set in for a fairly dry August. It's been totally parched in July as well. So, you know, you know we could... Who knows what we're going to be seeing in in um, <coughs> in uh, September? But mind you, having said that, I could uh, convince the ECB to start playing on into October if the weather's staying, <laughs> staying a lot better. So oh, let's uh, let's not go there. But yeah, I just think it's it's really difficult to get that perfect cricket wicket and something like the the pitch down at Chelmsford. You say that was possibly over prepared. This is kind of going back to the point about why. It, no, it wasn't, wasn't over. It was a used pitch. It was used. I was gonna. I was just yeah. going to ask you that, Anthony, because I, I yeah. did remember it saying it was it, whether they said it was a huge used pitch or not. I thought it might have been, but um, just the one. Yeah, game I mean, when I yeah, one game. I, I think they played Northants on it or someone like that. But I when I arrived on the whenever it was Monday morning, I had a good look at it, and it struck me that it, it had been tailor made for Simon Harbour. You know, with because there there were worn patches at, at either end, and it, it looked dry, and it looked as if it would take spin, but it didn't really. Other than the, from the bowler's footmarks, so I don't think it was over prepared. I think he just, you know, he just got it wrong. Yeah, it just it maybe just maybe happen. maybe this this extreme heat that we we've been experiencing has been making a difference. Mm. Well, I think if with the heat as it is, they are going to be watering a lot more. Whereas if it was, you know, they were getting a bit of rain here, a bit of rain there interspersed with a bit of sun they might just not be watering as much but I think 
they might be overwatering, which is going to you know in, increase. They certainly hadn't overwatered the outfield at, at Chelmsford. It was a disgrace. Um, you know, it, it really was. It, a, a club, you know, a good club ground would be ashamed of having an outfield like that. Patches where there were no, gra you know, grass had died completely, and it was it was very it was t tough to field on as well. They've obviously got a water budget down at Chelmsford that they're not allowed to exceed. Well, they've have had the weather there has been much drier than down here. They didn't get nearly as much rain in June as we got down here. June was actually it's the wettest month of the year so far here in in, in wow um, by, by quite a margin. We had nearly a hundred mil, um, whereas in July we've had about eleven. So you know, and that must have must have affected the pitches in yeah. in you mm. know just. Maybe drying out underneath is part of the part of the yeah. problem. Allied improving, you know, improved drainage systems, and it's just sucking the moisture out of the pitches, and that and that means that they they, they last long, but they they just get slower and lower. Yeah, so that's what I was sort of saying. If they're if they're over water in the square to kind of overcompensate, maybe that might be getting that yeah. natural grass growth going, which is going to you know the root growth, which keeps the pitch together rather than kind of creating those sort of dusty bits which is maybe why that that Chelmsford pitch held together a bit better than uh, we all thought it would but going back to the point it's art and it's 90% art and 10% science do we know how Tom Abel's getting on um, pulled his hamstring over that second run in the first innings up at Chelmsford almost pretty much to the day since he did the same uh, he suffered the same injury. I think we're warming up against Glamorgan for a T20 last season, yeah. and unfortunately missed the whole of the hundred, which was which was a terrible shame. Didn't quite. It is for him, Butcher. Well, I know, yeah. I know that. Well, he'll still get his. He's played a couple of games at the end of the season. He'll still get his base contract, won't he, for the hundred? Yeah, they yeah. they were saying that most of the the players <laughs> with decent hundred contracts have insurance. I don't know how it works. But, you know, if you get an injury, obviously, it's going to happen. I mean, if it's in place for overseas players, they'll have it in place. And Abel's a significant enough figure in English cricket now, I think, to to demand that. I, I haven't heard, because there's, there's grade one and grade two hamstring tears, aren't there? And they've been very coy about what... I think the tell will be whether he is at Taunton or whether he has gone to... Is it Birmingham he's at now or Manchester? I lose track of it. Birmingham. 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 Yeah. Because he last year, I seem to recall, he was with his hundred squad most of the competition. Yeah. Um, so it'd be, I'd, I'd be much happier if he was around the county ground rehabbing. To be honest. Yeah. Um, it didn't. It honestly didn't look good. No, I guess that from your comms. Mm. It didn't look good. But it is the. It's not the same one that he did last year. This was his left hamstring, so it's not it's not a recurrence of his right hamstring, which is you know, a bit reassuring. I think Dan's prognosis is instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if, if it was just the one, it would it would be really dodgy. Well, that's true. If yeah, swings and roundabouts. I think Dan's probably spot on there. I think realistically, we could hope we should have reasonable hope we'll play the last two of the four championship games. Uh, no, what I said was that he played a couple of hundred games at the end of last Oh, week. sorry, sorry. When, I thought you were saying this year. I have no idea, but um, I think well, hopefully we'll, we'll 
that, well, unfortunately, 100 teams are not very good at providing information like that. But he hasn't been replaced yet. As you know, if he was known to be out of the tournament, they'd have, you know they'll be announcing a replacement for him. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and Matt I think Renshaw, yeah, no one are right. Well, no, where, where, he's an MC <laughs> spell, is he? So it won't be. Um, hopefully, it's not Goldsworthy or something. Um, well, my big worry is that somebody kidnaps Rue. Nothing is prohibited for Rue. It's not. Yeah, James Rue isn't isn't the sort of arc, you know the classic white ball cricketer batsman. You know, he's he's a bit more. He's not a big hitter. There are plenty of counties that are complaining that they've got players who've been called up to hundred squads who are just going to spend however long the tournament three weeks carrying drinks and whatever. And that you know mm -hmm. that it could happen. I mean, I. I've desperately tried to work out my team for the One Day Cup, and it—you look at it, and there's a couple of names on there that I'm quite nervous about. Maybe they would get snaffled. Well, I, I, I'm a bit the opposite way round, Steve. Apart from I'm looking at it, apart from Ben Green, nobody, nobody in my hundred in my Royal London One Day Cup team really featured in the blast. So you've got uh, mm. from my team, you've got um, yeah, Ben Green. Jack Brooks and Peter Siddle. Goldsworthy yeah. as well. Oh, Goldsworthy, yeah, but he he's like, not in the squad for tomorrow, though, is he? So no, I'm not sure. Is he still on his seven days for his concussion? Yeah, yeah. Seven, was days. seven days. Thursday night, Friday morning, wasn't it? So he won't he won't be in the squad for tomorrow. Might just make it for knots on Thursday, maybe if they bend the rules a little bit. I'm not sure. Depends how precise they are with the seven days. If it's seven days exactly from when he got the injury, then he wouldn't. No, would be available. Yeah, if, if would that's, be available. Yeah, yeah. yeah as long as he's, he's, because yeah. he so he would have originally passed a concussion test. Then overnight, whether it was at close well, yeah. play or in the morning, he would have had a further test. So yeah, it'll be. It won't just be that. It'll be you know here. It'll be the seven days plus whether he feels fine, obviously as well. Mm. So it'll just yeah. I, I didn't see it, Gibber. What did it? Did it look a serious one to you, or just sort of a precautionary one? Well, he ducked into it, um, and it was quite a you know quite a nasty whack because um, it was Shane Snater, who's not slow, and and he ducked into it. So there was a bit, a bit of momentum from both sides, if you see what I mean. And he and he went down and he got up. And carried on and didn't seem to be any in any problem, um, but uh, overnight, obviously, either you had another test or you started feeling getting headaches or whatever. And um, Tom Barrington wasn't told until after he'd woken up at nine o'clock the next morning that he was he got to get down there and and bat. So as Steve was saying, it did catch him completely by surprise. He didn't have any, didn't even have a net before he went out to bat. <laughs> Maybe that's his. Maybe that's his recipe for success. Maybe he's a David Gower type. Doesn't need to over over prepare. Just wander out of bed or wandering wandering from the casino at six in the morning. Have an hour. Have an hour's kit. Wake up with a stiff G and T and go out there and have a nice bat. Did you catch um, Tom Banton's comments on the live stream, Steve? Did you have a chance to have a, have a look at that? Yes. What did you make of it? Yeah, I've caught up with the podcast, Mister Shepherd. I've been a loyal follower and downloaded and caught up. So I know you had a bit. Of bit of fun with Ben Warren on that as well. It was just um, amazing. His Wi-Fi kept dropping off at those 
when I needed yeah. to uh, ask him these, yeah. these questions, Somerset's it would have been very guru's difficult for him to employ of Somerset County Conspiracy theory number <laughs> 7,961. Yeah, I, I just thought it was it was a lovely, innocent, unguarded moment. That was my take on it. Um, I, you know, we've, we've had enough on here about the doom and gloom and feeling despondent and whatever. You do, going back to what I said earlier, you do sort of begin to feel that there's this group of young players coming through and there's something about them and a bit special. And maybe he feels that as well. Um, maybe maybe we've been looking the wrong way and it's Will Smead that's been hiding in plain sight and it's going to go off. But then if Warwickshire, that's the other thing, if we can get Warwickshire relegated, that takes, maybe takes that franchise out of being so desirable to these players. Oh, double-edged sword. Now, Will Smead is under contract till the end of next year, so he's not as yeah. uh, not as much of a flight risk as, uh, uh, to coin a phrase, as but, Banton was. But, Ian, with, with Rue <coughs> and Banton and Goldsworthy making runs, and Bartlett obviously being given a chance, let's not debate that for hours, but he's being given a chance, it does push Tom uh, Will Smead a long way down in the order. We'd already said he didn't really figure in red ball thinking. So it pushes him a, you know, a long, long way down the order. Difficult one, isn't it? Because when he first played for the T20 side... I think it was you, Anthony, who was saying that you know he's a, he's a classically trained, proper player mm. in, in the mould of Tom Abel. And then over the last couple of years he seems to have sort of forgotten all that and he's a he's a sea, sea ball hit ball smash it into the retirement flats merchant that's right yeah but um yeah so if it if it's he's not making any runs in red ball cricket in the, in the second so i mean if anybody is saying that you're going to definitely be in our red ball plans for batting that's probably going to be a division two side you would have thought mm. i mean it's very difficult to see, you know, a side who is above Somerset in the in the pyramid of things. Who who's going to have Will Smith? He's not going to get into Surrey's lineup. He's probably not going to get into Hampshire's lineup. He's not going to get into Lancashire oh, or Lancashire's lineup. So. Does he need to play county cricket at all? Other than in the blast, I mean, there are there are twenty over tournaments virtually all the year round now, and there, there will be. As from as from next year, and Simon Wilde had a big piece about um, Will Smead in the Sunday Times yesterday, and, and you know discussing his his future as a sort of hired gun mm -hmm. going going around the world, and you can earn a lot of money doing that, mm. and it may be that that's what he will choose. I don't I don't know what his ambitions are, whether he wants like Tom Banton, we know wants to become a you know a red ball cricketer as well as a white ball one. Perhaps Will Smead is quite content applying his trade as a white ball cricketer. I think you said on an okay. interview I saw with him over the winter that he was, you know, trying to get his red ball technique down pat and, and force his way into the in the championship side. But mm. as you say, he's a long way down that pecking order now. He's, I say Goldsworthy's coming and scored runs. Bartlett's back. Um, Rue's got 100. Abel's scoring runs for fun these days. Um, we, you know, signed Andy Amid. Is, is he, where does he fit in that? in that lineup, it's well, well if he, if he wants to play Red Bull cricket and he's got to find the time to play for the second 11 he could even try and go abroad in the winter play some 
place in rebel cricket you know th- there's opportunities in potentially places like Sri Lanka some some England some English players have gone there to play because that means playing in playing in that instead of playing you know T20 cricket yeah even so, great cricket in Australia is yeah know, Sydney great cricket is a bloody good standard you could you know, yeah you run yeah. that you've got to be a decent player yeah. it doesn't play as well as the big bash though does it well no, that's, that's true he needs to decide what he wants. I mean, he doesn't need to decide right now what he wants to do with his career. He's still very young, so he's he's got he's got time on his side. Um, but at some point, you know, he's going to have to. You know, the, the the skills are so different these days in red and white ball cricket. He's got to keep his red ball eye in at, at the oh. very least, I think, because otherwise it will just suck down the white ball route, and there might be no going back from that. So, but I think he's a he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he knows what he wants, and I think he does want to play red ball cricket. And I think he we and him just need to be a bit patient perhaps um, I listen, when I binge listen to the pods I've not been on you guys were doing a sort of review of the T20 season and I think the consensus was that he's probably at the very best stood still apart from one or two innings and not pushed on as we all hoped he would so the danger for him is he can't he can't his agent can't go to big bash teams and Caribbean Super League teams or whoever and go look at what he achieved in the English Blast this season because he he was quite miss and a little bit hit this year he hasn't got the consistency yet so to me if I was advising him I'd say take yourself off down to Oz play us as you say in a winter grade cricket you never know you might get picked up by a big bash mm-hmm. side you might do because at the moment he's sort of you know, in that Lammers did that last year didn't he he did. He, Smead's kind of in that second level of T Twenty tournament, isn't he? He's kind of in the, the, the sort of the PSL, yeah. Gibbo's favourite, the Abu Dhabi T Ten. He's kind of at that level. He's not quite at the IPL, um, big bash level yet. Another option for him. PSL is better than the BBL, though. Hmm. Just, just to oh, be clear, PSL is definitely better than BBL. I didn't watch much of it, so I'll uh, <laughs> I'll bow to a better judgment on that. Dan. Another option for him would be to go on loan to a Division 2 side for September where he's probably not going to be doing much. Could do. Because that to me is what the loan system is designed for. It's not designed just to pull in a spin bowler for a game. Um, are you cooking your tea, Steve? I can hear various rattlings going on Sorry. in the background. Sorry, I'm muted. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no worries. But yeah, I think I think Will Smead going on loan to a Division 2 side over the winter, uh, over the winter in September would be a, a good option for him as well. But it's whether it's whether somebody would take him if they've um, for a guy who hasn't played a first class first class game yet. But um, yeah, and also as well, I think we saw Tom Abel coming from that Red Bull background and making himself into probably one of, one of the best T Twenty batsmen in the country on the back of having a really really solid fundamental red ball technique and you watch Smead a couple of times this year he hasn't really got that just get it away for one type shot it's mm. it's sort of 6-4 or nothing with him at the moment it, it kind of feels so I think playing some red ball cricket learning that side of things getting a more sound fundamental technique will help his T20 game in the same way that uh, that it gave Tom Abel the basis for the for the way that he plays in T Twenty cricket, because you've got to, you've got to have all the options. You can't just be a guy who stands there smacking it for six. You've got to think, okay, I'll just kind of, I need a, I need a one off the mark against um, 
Scrimshaw against Derbyshire, that was very seemed to be very much in evidence that he was mm. Scrimshaw kind of had him on he kept trying to smack him into the into the flats and Scrimshaw had him on toast a bit where you think, okay, somebody like Tom Abel would have just gone, Okay, yeah, he's bowling well tonight. If he bowls me a rank ball, I'm gonna win it for four, but if he bowls me a good ball, I just need to get one and get off uh, get off strike. I think Gibbo's frozen. Always just incredibly bored with me rattling on. No, he's definitely frozen. Right. Uh, oh, so we're just kind of. I was going to mention who's actually out of contract at the end of this end of the season after you, uh, we were talking about Banton. So we got Brooks, uh, Brooks and Hildreth, Waller, mm-hmm. Ollie Sale, who uh, I want to have a little chat about later, uh, and then Barlett and Banton. So I think. <laughs> We can probably say well. Banton has said publicly that he's uh, he's more than likely to stay. I would be surprised if Bartlett goes, and I think everybody else would be. Uh, well, Hildreth may may go. Brooks may retire. Yeah, I keep man? Brooks if he wants to play. Like if he wants mm, to carry on, I would as as cover. You know, he's he's a useful player to have around. I think. Um, Sale, you know, he's been around a long time. He desperately needs a really good Royal London Cup, I think. Um, similar to Byron last year, Byron needed a good Royal London Cup and unfortunately didn't get that. You know, Sale probably needs that this year. And um, probably well, he's so injury prone as well, isn't he, Sale? So it's, 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 he's it's, down the pecking order in my my squad, though. Well, he's, yeah. the bowling options we've got. He wasn't in the squad for Cornwall yesterday. He's not in the mm-hmm. squad for Devon tomorrow. And then you've got the lads like um, young Jack Harding, who I was quite impressed with. I thought he bowls with a good bit of pace from what I saw on the on the stream yesterday but if he's not getting in this the squads for the friendlies ahead of non-contracted players that's I mean mm. I don't know if he's injured or, or anything yeah. I think he played in the last second 11 game and I've not heard anything since it would kind of suggest that the writing's on the wall for the uh, host of the incorrectly named behind the wyvern I think he might be injured I don't know that's I, I assumed he was injured if the fact if, if guys mm. without contracts are paying ahead of him. But I mean that's a bad sign for him as well because he's injured a lot. So yeah. yeah Aldridge I, I and Baker would definitely be ahead of him in the pecking order. Mm. When you've got Siddle and Brooks in there and Ben Green, that's a lot of seamers to get past if you've not played much cricket. Just try to look and have a little look and see if he is injured at the moment. I can't. I can't see that he is. Have you heard anything about Ollie Sale, Gibbo, whether he's, he's injured no, or not? Nothing. No, I've seen him around the ground, but um, he didn't, you know. So it's hard, it's hard to tell. I mean, Josh, Josh Davey, who's, who's clearly not fit, was running round and round and round the county ground during the Yorkshire game, looking perfectly fit, but he's obviously not fit enough to bowl. Yeah, just, uh... But he might become fit. For the Royal London One Day Cup. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look at the website. I can't see anything about him being injured yeah. at the moment. He, he, yeah, played in the last second eleven game. No, can't see anything. So unless he's been signed up for a hundred franchise, but I very much doubt that he has been. <laughs> Yeah. So, 
Yeah, nothing about uh, him being injured. But then again, there's nothing really about anybody being injured at the moment on the uh, on the Somerset website. So uh, if you do know, please pop us a tweet or a message and uh, keep us in the loop. So yes, as we nicely segueing into the Royal London Cup starting on Thursday, home to Nottingham. There's one more friendly tomorrow uh, down at Bubby Tracy where we uh, Somerset take on Devon. Split loyalties for myself, as I suppose it is for you as well, Gibbo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so. but I hope Devon do well, but Somerset do a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. On uh, It's very nice for Somerset to be playing only sort of 10 minutes from my house as well. So I'll be able to ride my bike out there tomorrow, sit in the sun and enjoy watching that one. Uh, if you're down there, do come and say hello. But uh, yeah, one question, we our most popular question from our listeners this week was what is your Royal London one day cup side for Thursday <laughs> Steve is grimacing <laughs> I, I sense you're trying to fit about 15 into 11 Steve uh, yeah I, I think the top half of the order is down to about 6 is probably mm. relatively straightforward because Steve Davis is going to open the batting and keep wicket I'm certain of that I'm assuming Matt Renshaw is going to play. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. in the squad for um, I would go Bartlett. I would go Bartlett, Hildreth, Goldsworthy, Rue as my top six. Okay. And I've done that on the basis of there's been a bit. There's a mixture of experience and youth, and I'd like I'd like George Bartlett to be going in three and giving him a bit of time and let the others bat around him. Then it gets more complicated because I've then got. George Thomas and Ben Green at seven and eight. Mm-hmm. I want Casey Aldridge to be in the side, and I want Peter Siddle to be in the side, which leaves me with a very long list then batting at ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was because, and I'd actually ruled Josh Davy out for the starting lineup and the, probably most of the one day cup, so he's out. So it's probably going to come down to a choice. Pitch dependent between Roloff and Jack Brooks no, and Sonny no Baker. Roloff. Roloff, no Roloff. He's oh, of course he's not. No, he's in, no stupid. Yeah, he's in London Spirit, isn't he? No, he's so, somewhere different this year. Northern Superchargers. Is he? He's the upper heading, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, of course he is. Sorry. So I don't think that, George that, Thomas that, is going to be in the reckoning either. I think he's injured at the moment, isn't he? He's not he in the is. squad match tomorrow, and he wasn't in the squad against Cornwall either. His younger brother was. Oh, was it his younger brother? Oh, sorry. I yeah, must have misread yeah. the initial then. Yeah, got what? He got, and got 50 and picked up three for yesterday? He did. And if if Goldsworthy isn't fit, I'd have Josh Thomas in instead of him. So that would be Renshaw, Davis, Thomas, Josh, mm-hmm. Hildreth, Bartlett, Rue, Green, Aldridge, Siddle, and um, Sonny Baker, and then either Jack Brooks or Max Waller, depending on. What the pitch is like. You've been copying my homework, Gibbo. Oh, is that where you've gone? Oh, for? I've, got, I've got. There's a few scribbles there, but uh, yeah, pretty much the same team. I've gone for a twelve. Yeah, yeah Renshaw, Davis, Bartlett, Hildreth, Rue, Josh Thomas at six, Green, Aldridge, Brooks, Siddle, Waller, and Baker is my twelve. Yeah, so yeah. Not I think that's the same as me. So, um, yeah, I think Max Waller maybe. Better used at uh, you know one of the some of the bigger grounds when we go away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's being a spinner at Taunton these days is <coughs> you're sort of cannon fodder, aren't you? 
with the short boundaries and, and very good batting pitches. But I'd like to see him given a game. Well, he goes at, what was it? He, six, no, seven point something in T20. So he's, uh, <clears throat> if there's anybody that knows how to bowl spin at Taunton, it's, it's Max Waller. So I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be too um, worried about him being in the side. And um, yeah, I was impressed with the way Josh Thomas bowled as well. It's the first time I've seen him bowl. He looks like he's got a lovely action. He looks like he really gets some, uh, some action on the ball. And, you know, some spinners just kind of roll up and, sort of roll their arms over but he really looks like he's really getting through his action coming over his his front foot when he's bowling so yeah very impressed with him from the from what I what I saw on the stream does he, he bowls slow left arm or off bricks uh, slow left arm but he just yeah. really looks another left arm spinner that's just what we need exactly got three. Not, not off spinner <laughs> yeah uh, but, but yeah to see him being given a go though I mean he's only 17 mm. but you know, it's a chance to, to blood really promising youngsters like that yeah and it's pretty much a game every sort of two or three days so you're going to want to you know I can't imagine Jack Brooks playing every game can't imagine Peter Siddle playing every game so you've got, you're going to need to rotate mm. these guys and, and that gives you an opportunity yeah. to get the youngsters in um, so we're leaving out of that we've out of our 11s we've got Davy, George Thomas Andy Amid, Ollie Sell Goldsworthy Harding and uh, Alfie Ugborn as well. And from my list, I don't think we're missing anybody else. So we've probably got a squad of 17 or 18 to pick from for these Royal London games. So depending on how it goes, um, we could possibly see all of those guys get a game. Uh, Dan, what was your team? Yeah, similar. I think um, Davis, Renshaw, Hildreth, Goldsworthy, Bartlett, Rue. That's my top six. I mean, the order of them, I think there's a lot of options for the actual order. I'm not sure who's going to open with Davis. It could be Renshaw. They might go someone different, maybe with Bartlett, to give it a left-hand, right-hand combination. I think Bartlett could be three, but I quite like him five or six. You know, it's where he scored those, that century against Leicestershire last year. Um, that was from number six. Um, he also did quite well there in 2019 when we won the tournament. Um, so, yeah, a few options there. Uh, Green will be seven. Um, Aldridge, eight. Siddle nine. I'd play Baker if he's fit. Um, and then, yeah, it's down to Waller or Brooks, isn't it, really? Um, Waller's an interesting one because he's not played a list day game since 2018. And he was never really a regular for us in list day cricket, was he? Sort of back when he did no. play it. He sort of played like half the games each season, sort of something like that. He never really cracked that format, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And as you say, you know, he's used to bowling at Taunton. You know, he knows how to bowl at Taunton in T20 cricket. So... You know, can he put that to good use in List A cricket? We'll uh, have to find out. Uh, but yeah, and also the bigger grounds, you know, when he, when there's the bigger boundaries, he could be a useful option. So yeah, it's, it'd be good to see him playing for us again, particularly after, you know, he miss, missed uh, all of the bast. Um, obviously, it could be like potentially for Hildreth for a bit of a farewell tour, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing him play. Um, yeah, in terms of the other options, yeah, I think we could see George Thomas if he's fit. Um, you know, he had a you know, a good debut last year, did well in the under nineteen World Cup. So I hope to see a bit of him, um, if and when he's fit. Um and yeah, we've got plenty of depth the seamers, even with Davy and Leonard missing, you know, this uh Ogborn and uh Harding look good, uh, the good prospects. Probably sale. Um and you know, maybe Andy Umid as well in terms of in terms of batting. Let's get a look at him. We could get a look at him at some point. One thing I was a bit confused about from the uh from the live stream yesterday was um, I think it was Jack Harding had a squad number and a name on the back of his shirt, but 
he's not contract day, but Josh Thomas didn't. And I know they did this last year with George Thomas and uh, George Drizel. There was all a thing about, well, they're not contracted, they're not this, that, the other, so they don't they don't get a squad number or, or a name on the shirt. And but Jack Harding does, so I don't know whether he nipped down to Somerset County Sports and, and quickly got it done himself, and then just turned up and put it on and wandered out. But uh, yeah, if if we are going to play these guys, give them a name and give them a squad number because it just looks village if you're out there and two or three of your players haven't got anything on the back of their shirt and the other seven or eight have. So it doesn't matter if they're contracted or not, make them look like a team. Right, uh, one more thing with the One Day Cup. Don't forget, Gloucester against Somerset this Sunday at the Unique Seat Stadium. Over the Seven Bridge, the Welsh Firemen are playing in that Mickey Mouse competition that we won't name. Please get to, get to Gloucester, get to Bristol, sell that ground out, have them showing a half-empty Sapphire Gardens on the TV, Show the ECB that we care about county cricket, that the 100 is a complete waste of time and it's a load of crap and just make that statement. Please just make that statement. I've got some songs to sing. I've thought those up. I'll be circulating song sheets. Um, the first one goes along to the tune of Rock the Casbah is uh, Nobody Really Likes It. <coughs> the 100. <coughs> the 100. And we'll keep and, uh, <laughs> I don't want to swear because then I have to put a little thing on the podcast and uh, explicit content or whatever. But yeah, just show the ECB that county cricket matters. This Mickey Mouse tournament, just leave it to a half empty Sapphire Gardens. Just make it look good. See you there on Sunday. Dan, you going to be there Sunday? Yep, I will good be stuff. there. Steve, you going to be there Sunday? I'd like to be. It depends on a couple of things, but that's the aim, yeah. Oh, good stuff. And Gibbo, you'll obviously be there with, uh, with Ed Seaborn, is it, for Gloucester? Yeah, that's right. Lovely yeah, me stuff. and Ed. I'm going to yeah. give you a T-shirt to wear. Can you make sure you wear it on the on the, on the live stream? <laughs> Actually, there wasn't. I was going to get like see if I could get like 30 or however many letters it is in save space, county space, cricket, and uh, give those out. But, yeah, I'm so disorganised that I never actually got around to it right listeners questions then unless we've got anything more on the Royal London One Day Cup okie dokie right uh, Grumpy Git this is from a couple of days ago any news on Tom Abel did he get a scan um, I don't think we had a scan on Friday I don't know what the outcome is yeah we said about grade one grade two we haven't heard have we so yeah Fair enough. So, yeah, we're in a little bit in the dark on that one. Uh, John Hayes, uh, the Royal London Cup team, we've done that. How did we celebrate the Lionesses' victory yesterday? Uh, of course, England, England's women winning the Euros, beating West uh, West Germany, Germany 2-1. <laughs> Show me age now. Beating Germany 2-1 uh, in extra time. Some excellent shithousery in the last few minutes, keeping the ball away from the Germans and getting them frustrated. Mm. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um I didn't really celebrate it, John. I kind of I had to I had to wash my car, so that's kind of how I <laughs> sort of celebrated it. But uh, yeah, uh, did you guys watch that? I know we we're talking about yeah. football on the cricket yeah. podcast, but yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Couple of pints of cider. Couple of pints of cider. Oh, absolutely. I won't ask you what cider though, Gibbo, because we'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, one from Chris Payne. Uh, probably a question, Dan, with all his charts. Have you got a lot of charts, Dan? I have some uh, Excel oh, spreadsheets. Yeah, because uh, I don't. We can sort of see Dan's uh, um, Dan's house through uh, through the webcam, and uh, yeah, he doesn't have kind of. It's not like when you see like somebody trying to solve a mystery in a film with all these. Might be if you turn the camera around the other way though. These pins <laughs> going from one sort of sheet of paper to another, but uh, Dan's wall is refreshingly chart free. Uh, 
Down the road shots, who would be at best place to answer? Who on paper would be amongst the favourites for the one-day cup? Because looking at our squad, I'm quietly confident we should at least make the knockout stages. Um, yeah, we're quite badly hampered. I think uh, we've got, what is it, nine or ten? Um, being kidnapped by various franchises. Um, let me just get the exact nine. number up, which is... Nine or ten, if you count Riley Rousseau, but he, as he was never contracted for the... Uh... For the 50 over, I don't think we can count him, so it's nine. Yeah, the nine. Uh, Roller Fanamova, Marchant Delanga, Jack Leach, Lewis Gregory, Tom Abel, Craig Overton, Tom Banton, Tom Lamaby, and Will Smead have been uh, distributed throughout the country to play in this Mickey Mouse competition. Um, so, yeah, Dan, do you think we are well placed to win it, or have we lost too many players? I think we are well placed to challenge for the knockout stages, for sure. Um, I think, again, it's just really difficult to know who's going to do well. Um, last year, it was, you know, some of the teams that got through were quite hit by the 100. You know, Surrey and Yorkshire got to the knockout. Oh, despite Surrey losing got about 8 million players, players Dan. <laughs> they do, but they do look, you know, you can look at their 11. It, it looks relatively weak, <laughs> you know, it's it's not the best. Uh, you, know, I'm not, I, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I know we've got to play them, so I don't want to speak too soon, but relatively, you know, compared to what they've usually got. Um, but they still managed to get through. And, but there were some teams that got through that were hardly hit by the 100, like Glamorgan and Essex. So, it's, it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a lottery, really, as to who goes through. I think um, Glamorgan should be strong again. They, I don't think Glamorgan lost anyone to the 100 this year. Um, I think uh, Kent may be a dark horse. I think they're less hit than they were last year. Uh, they didn't do brilliantly last year, but I think... Well, they, they, they'd, uh, lost, they'd have lost Billings, obviously. He's, he's playing for somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bit Belgiamond, I think. Yeah. Uh, probably Matt Milnes. But they've got Joe Denley this year. Um, he's not going to sign 100. Um, yeah, I think um, the, some of the bigger counties, yeah, with their bigger squads should should do well. I think Leicestershire Dark Horses, potentially. Again, I don't think they've lost too many to the 100. They've got some good sort of one-day players who they've managed to keep. Players like Aaron Lilly, who scores some runs against us. A taunting ass. <laughs> um... So yeah, there's, yeah. As I say, it really could it really could be anyone who gets through. I don't think anyone was predicting a Glamorgan Durham final last year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting tournament for sure. But we're, one, we're going to be challenging, I think. The size that you think aren't very strong in white ball cricket will lose less players than the size that are right, strong yeah. in white ball cricket, which then flips yeah. it round to the side. Okay. Mm. They might not be white ball specialists, but they're probably going to be better than the second eleven players that are coming in. So yeah, um, I mean Lloyd. Also, Lloyd White says that we are um, the bookie uh, within. We are put my teeth, put your teeth in, Shepherd. Lloyd White says that we are amongst the bookies' favourites. Uh, can you let me know where you saw that, Lloyd? Because uh, I I had a quick look for uh, for some odds for the for the one day cup and I couldn't find any. Although I did find Surrey at eight to one to win the county championship. When I went to put my fifty quid on it, said the, it said the market was suspended, so I think they probably got that wrong. Um, mm -hmm. Moving on, then Mike Unwin. How does English women's cricket stand up when compared to women's football? Um, I don't really know, Mike. I don't really know follow the uh, ins and outs of the the women's professional game uh, in in football. But all I do know is that uh, both are growing at a pretty exponential rate, and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, it's a very broad question. I think it was interesting hearing Ian, Ian Wright yesterday after the after the final saying complaining about the scheduling of English women's football. And I don't think that applies to every match. But he's oh, you should tell him to follow county cricket, Dan. Then he can really have a bloody good moan about a schedule. <laughs> I know. He was saying about how there are matches on like Sunday evening and stuff, which obviously is horrible for people to get to. Um, I don't think that's every match. I think that's just certain televised matches. But 
you know, they were really pushing on the BBC yesterday, you know, go to the Women's Super League games, you know, go go to England matches as much as you can, you know, really support these girls. And I think something that our TV coverage could do a bit better is actually encourage people to go to matches. How often do you actually hear the TV commentators say, go to these matches? I think it's kind of, it's kind of obvious... Thing, Almost but, like they've know, got a vested interest that you need to watch the match at home so you can watch the advert yeah. in between uh, in between halves so they can people make more money. Need to be, people, you know, it's, just, it's funny, I think TV content is saying go to matches. It probably does have an impact. I think it makes mm-hmm. people realise, hang on, I actually could go. You know, I might as well look into this. You know, it's it's kind of, it just seems like an obvious thing. You know, I think, I think women's football is on the verge of something massive now. And I think attendances are going to go way up in domestic football. And I think it's just going to go from strength to strength. Unfortunately, the ECB didn't really capitalise capitalize on our England team winning the World Cup in 2017. Um, so I think football can learn from that and make sure they, you know, they do in, engage uh, young girls now. Um, because... You know, in England cricket didn't. I think they're sort of to some extent playing catch up with the hundred and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, one one thing you can say for cricket is that at least cricket wasn't banned for women for fifty years. <laughs> the FA banned yeah. literally banned football for women, didn't they? Between nineteen twenty and seventy, the seventies or something. So that's mean? one thing you can say in cricket's favour. Just crazy, isn't it? Possibly the most important question we've ever had asked on this podcast from our friend Professor Chris Lintert. He's asking your advice, Anthony. I need to buy some cider. Could you recommend anything? Not the stuff that explodes, though. No, 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 no. I've I've been thinking about this, and the two I would recommend are Harry's Cider, Mm -hmm. which is just down the road from here, at Long Sutton in Somerset, and you can get that, um, you can order it via the internet from their website. And the other one is Borough Hill Cider, which is, I can... It's about seven miles away across across the fields, which again you can. They're the people who make Somerset cider brandy, Julian Templey, and their cider is excellent. Harry's cider is excellent as well, and their bottled Dabinet Harry's cider is was the gold. It was the supreme champion of the Bath and West four years ago. So that's good stuff. A glowing recommendation. I'm sure several cases that we. Uh, be winging their way to you now after that uh, lovely bit of free publicity there, Gibbo. That was free publicity. That was no no payments involved in recommending those. No, 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 that's straight up that's off the top of my head. But they, I just I thought we'd go for Somerset cider makers rather than Devonshire ones. Not that there's anything wrong with the Devon cider makers, but those two I know you can you can order it via the internet. Ah, oh, lovely stuff. So I'm sure a few crates of that will be winging their way to uh, the Lintot residents in Oxford over the next couple of days. Uh, uh, more from Tim Knight. Uh, what do you know of the campaign started by Lancashire members to force clubs not to support reduction in first-class cricket? Now, this is a petition uh, started by the Lanx Action Group. Uh, that's the um, the uh, Lancashire CCC supporters group. Um, just let me find where I replied to that. So, yeah, so it's on lanxactiongroup.com slash save dash first dash class dash cricket and i'll tweet that link out so basically this says what's the issue the strauss high performance review is due to report this autumn with the recommendations to the ecb i didn't realize how long this was so i'm not going to read it but there is basically uh, a petition on there um check our twitter i'll retweet that but uh, i think a few sort of clone petitions have been going around uh, for the various counties i know somebody's been doing one for for somerset and yeah I think it's really important that we uh, we all make our 
voices heard to the ECB and whatever whatever means we can, whether it's joining the National Cricket Supporters Association, uh, signing all these petitions, uh, writing letters, uh, writing emails. Dan uh, seems to get a good response as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say I think we all we need to be emailing, you know, chief executives, chairman, etc. I think you know we need to be. I, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking maybe I would do something like that, and I think it's. I might even try and get a list together of all the chairmen and CEOs, all the counties, and email addresses for the counties. You know, like the general inquiries, email addresses, that sort of thing. Because I think it's important that we as fans make our voices heard, and I think the, the chief executives need to hear it. I think. I think they. I don't know. I think it's just a good way of getting across the what we actually think rather than them having to sort of guess kind of thing you know it's yeah they they need to hear it it's that old thing is it well oh i don't like that the ecb have done this well did you feed back to them to tell them that you thought that was a bad thing no i didn't yeah so yeah take two minutes to uh to email clubs to email counties to email uh the ecb and uh make your feelings uh make your feelings known um that's it for our listeners questions do we have any other business no, there's no Western Storm this week, was there? So. No Western that's Storm going this week after another that's... an hour that's flown by. You're on mute, Steve. Did you have anything? Nothing from me, Shep. No. Good stuff. Right. Um, okay, so um, not sure if I'll make it up for knots on Thursday, but I'll definitely be there down at Bubby Tracy tomorrow. So if uh, you are there, do pop up and say hello. And of course, up to the Unique Seat Stadium on Sunday for Gloucesters against Somerset. Um, gents, it's been a pleasure as always. And, uh, well, we'll uh, we'll catch up same time next week. Thanks, Chef. Right. Cheers, everyone. See you all. Take care. Bye.